This is the Prayer Culture Podcast, where we talk about building prayer into the lives of Bible-centric churches and individuals. I'm your host, Michael Green. I have a background in missions to the Islamic world, as well as being the founding member of Puramore, a ministry that is dedicated to developing a deep culture of prayer within local churches and communities. My co-host, Patrick Rowe, is a board member of Puramore, as well as being a longtime church planner in the greater Houston area and Thailand. This is the Prayer Culture Podcast. As a reminder, the Prayer Culture Podcast is a ministry of two or more, which is a crowdfunded ministry. So if you enjoy this content, please check out our website and giving page listed in the description. Also, when you have a second, hit the like and subscribe button. Patrick, one question I have, I guess, is this kind of practice of teaching the gift of mm, tongues. Okay. So there are a lot of groups that have this idea that, you know, we'll teach our people, this is how you can do it. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that? Yeah. I, well, first, let me acknowledge that I understand why there's pushback on the idea. Okay. The idea is, well, if this is a supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit, then is it something you really need to be taught or trained in, or coached in. And I think tongues particularly gets pushed back in this area because you can see it as something in the scriptures like in Acts 2 or in Acts 10 and in Cornelius's house, so talking about Pentecost or at Cornelius's house, when Peter shares the gospel and this Gentile family, this whole household, uh, believes the gospel and they just burst out into tongues. And Peter's going, wow, you know, that they received the Holy Spirit and we can see the Spirit empowering them in the same way he did us. So Gentiles are in, and it's a huge moment for the church. But it was so spontaneous, you know, they hadn't learned anything or been taught about tongues. They just, the Spirit just gifted them, they empowered them, and they, they just burst into tongues. So I understand the pushback about training, like if it's if it's supernatural and it's something that just kind of happens to you, then, you know, what? where does coaching or training fit in? The issue I take with that pushback is we don't do that with all these other gifts, okay? It's like, so teaching is a spiritual gift. It's very easy for teaching to not be viewed as supernatural, but it's listed in the same lists as tongues or prophecy or healing or miracles or these things. They get more pushback, you know. Teaching is in there too. So do we have training for Bible teachers that we believe are gifted by the Spirit to teach? Yeah, it's called seminary or Bible college (laughs) or, you know, all of our churches. It's like, hey, if you feel called to teach, if you think you're gifted to teach, you know, we've got a class for teachers and that kind of stuff. We'll train you how to teach well. And it's like, you know, start with a story and make it relatable and whatever kind of stuff. End on your big point, you know, these like training stuff. Why is it okay to train people how to teach supernatural, but not okay to teach them or train them how to speak in tongues supernatural? Well, I'll answer that question. Okay. Because I actually, I'm, I'm not a fan of the teaching. I, I understand the heart behind it, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not just outright condemning everybody who uses that approach. Mm -hmm. But part of it, I think, depends on how you actually view tongues, those subcategories. Okay. Because if you have more of the approach that it's a personal prayer language with God, Mm -hmm. 
it's not really something that someone else can teach you. So that makes a big difference. If it's that versus like it's an actual language or maybe multiple spoken languages in heaven. Right. Um, that would make a difference, I think, in how you kind of view that. Yeah. Uh, and then I would say really the difference is every example we see in the Bible is of tongues is it's spontaneous. Paul says, I, it's not engaged. He seems to indicate that's not an engagement of the mind. It's so not much. an intellectual thing. Yeah. It's not an intellectual engagement of the mind. So I don't think it's really something that can be taught. What I do think is you can teach people how met, how to make space for it and how to operate it in a good biblical way when we're together. That's yeah. something we do all the time. Right. But like teaching actually how to speak in tongues. Yeah, yeah. No, see, so where you just went, that's where we found each other in the conversation because I'm with you. I think there should be training and teaching and coaching and those kinds of things around tongues, just like there is with any other gift. But it's not like my kids are taking Spanish in high school right now. Okay. You know, like sit down, here's the grammar, here's the syntax, you <laughs> yeah. know, oh, you spelled that wrong. You know, it's like, no, your accent is wrong. That's that's not the kind of training or teaching that that I think is appropriate with tongues because, you know, you don't know this language. None of us knows it. It's supernatural. It's from the Holy Spirit. So I guess you could make a case if somebody started supernaturally speaking Spanish and you went, oh, actually, you mispronounced that word. <laughs> I don't know how that, would, how that would work. That'd be really wild. But uh, but yeah, I, so I think we're in the same place on that. It's So teaching facilitation. Yeah, of, the heart behind yeah, it, you know, okay. and and how to recognize it, you know, just like you would any other gift. How do you know you're gifted by the Holy Spirit? Well, by the fruit that's borne out by it, you know, it's actually, there's mm -hmm. actually some power there that has an effect that's bearing fruit and it's not of you, you know, you didn't have some kind of natural training in this area and, but you're just gifted and it just works. So I think the same thing with tongues, you know, it's, but I, I understand when people push back on the idea, on that idea, I think what they're really talking about is in some of our denominations, some of our brothers and sisters, there's like a okay, now now copy me, I'm going to do it, and you copy me, or just say this phrase, or say these words, or whatever pops into your mind, just repeat it. and the, So then it can get a little bit coaxy, you know? Yeah. Uh, it can feel to an outsider watching on, or somebody who's not in, in that world, I can see how that would look manipulative or something like that. And I don't know, I mean, it's a gray area for me, I... I personally, tongues is a new thing for me that I think the Spirit has done for me. I mean, just in the last few months. So my experience was, I, I was always very skeptical of that whole situation of one person trying to help another person speak in tongues. Yeah. I was always like side-eyeing that big time, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, and, what? And then I was in a conversation with somebody that I trusted was very sincere, and that was how he learned tongues or how he received that gift, you know, and he said it was kind of, it felt a little bit awkward and like he was trying and all of a sudden something happened and the spirit just moved and it became something that was not natural that he realized was different. And I was like, you know what, let me just, I, I don't feel scared of this. I don't feel like I'm like praying to demons or something. I'm sincerely seeking something of the Lord and something biblical. So 
let me let me just see how this goes and I'm just going to lay down my skepticism for a moment. And I had the same kind of experience that he described where at first it felt kind of like awkward and it felt like I was trying and it was very mental, you know, and the whole time in my mind I'm just like what am I doing? And then all of a sudden it changed. And I realized that what I was saying was different. So you know, that's just experience. That's not my, that's not theological for me. It's just my experience. So it it has to be in submission to my doctrine, my theology, but it's what I experienced and, and it felt powerful and encouraging to me. And ever since then, it's been the same. So yeah, I, I would put that on my experience that jives with my theology, but that's where it goes on the shelf for me is not like this is high doctrine, yeah. you know, teach this to everyone everywhere as a rule. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So kind of moving into the realm of experience, because mm-hmm. it's easy to have Bible concepts that are like, well, we know we need to do it because it's commanded to do it, mm-hmm. but why? Mm. Like, what's the actual value here? What right. is God trying to accomplish in me? What is it going to do to grow me? Because I don't think God's trying to make me do something that's weird just to do something that's weird. <laughs> right. he, he wants to grow me in some way that's going to glorify yeah. him. So moving into the realm of experience, I'm glad you shared that story of your experience. And I'm just going to share briefly my experience story. So, and mine was very different. Like the funny thing is I'm hearing there are some denominations in more charismatic denominations that like have this formula that they kind of try to follow with it. But my experience has been people receive it in just different ways. Mm -hmm. And so, um, and it's funny because I have some charismatic friends who are like, wait, you got it that way? I'm like, yeah. You I did. got that gift wrong. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gave it now to you, you wrong. Now would you do it the right way? No, no. Um, but it's funny. So like, basically I was in Africa and I'm surrounded by, you know, a large portion of the people around me are Pentecostals and, okay. you know, but I'm the kind of person who goes into an environment and I'm super resistant to become like an environment. I always yeah, yeah, want to yeah. be the exact opposite of that environment. Yeah. You don't like to feel coerced <laughs> or just like no. jumping in with a flow. You want, no. you want to engage sincerely. And I entered into a charismatic environment where I was the reform guy. Okay. I was the guy who was teaching reform theology in a charismatic mission school. The R word. Yes. <laughs> I was the evangelist who's like, okay, enough praying time. Let's go evangelize okay. people. Yeah. That was me. And I see myself as a gap filling person. So mm. whenever I enter a space and I see a gap, I'm like, okay, fill this. Mm. <laughs> so I was in that space and we were at a, a prayer meeting. It was actually a, a group of, we had gathered all our indigenous missionaries and we were doing this time of prayer and, and had some people speaking and stuff. And I actually was standing next to another reform brother. So he had, he was doing a short term trip with us and I had just met him there. He knew some other guys, but you he found was, each other. Yeah. 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 He was very much like me. So we were rooming together during this conference and everything. So we're praying and all of a sudden my knees get weak. I don't fall over, mm. but I start to, mm. and it was weird. It wasn't like, I'm like, this does not seem induced or anything. It's yeah. just weird. And I start speaking in tongues mm. and I'm like, 
what the, <laughs> what is going on? Mm. Okay. And that night I'm talking to my reformed brother after all this. I'm like, dude, can this be here real? He's like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So for probably, I'd say maybe two years or something, mm-hmm. I'm resistant to give in to this gift. Oh, okay. I'm very resistant. I don't want to just become like the people around me. Yeah. I don't want to be like just completely sensational, like mm-hmm. in just all emotion and no, no reason. And so it just took a lot of time for me to go, Hey, this is biblical and it's okay. And God's working in it. Mm. And what I started to kind of see over time was I, I started to like operate in it and nobody really knew I was because I always, even to this day, I kind of live under the be silent as be silent. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so, not, so not just quiet, but like inaudible. Ex- well, I whisper at the yeah. loudest Okay. in a group. Like okay. I'm, I try to be as discreet as possible Yeah. because I've always wanted to make sure I'm honoring that. Yeah, of course. And I'm, especially when I'm in a space where other people don't speak in tongues mm-hmm. and I really am trying to honor them too. Mm-hmm. So we'll get into that. But basically, um, it was unnoticeable for me, you know. And then at some point in there, the type of theology you were talking about, where it's like, hey, it's addressing people, and you mm-hmm. know, that was introduced to me. But even then, I've kind of maintained more of a a, a different approach. Um, but I didn't receive it because somebody laid hands on me or somebody instructed me. That's how a lot of people receive it. I just receive it because I was praying and the Holy Spirit came upon me and that was it. Right. Just kind of cold cocked you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I have to tell you, for a while I didn't understand the value portion. That was it okay. is like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of you all that we're, we're sharing with maybe don't understand where's the real value here. Mm-hmm. Like wh- how is the risk of potentially doing something totally insane mm-hmm. that has, <laughs> you know, or possibly getting off biblically on something that's just too undefinable. What's the actual value for people, for me, for the people that I'm praying with, the people in my church? Yeah. I have to tell you that the value I've started to learn, I had some other people tell me this at first in a prayer ministry and I I didn't even believe them, but it was like, there's a few ways. One, it keeps my focus Mm. on God. So when I'm not saying anything in those blank spaces, a lot of times I get really distracted. Mm. I know you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah. (laughs) I am distraction. (laughs) I like, that's my middle name. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. And so you start to think about everything else in your day, all that stuff, right? That time you're waiting on God and the enemy is just trying to get you way off that, mm. right? Tongues actually is a way for me to keep focused on God because mm. um, I actually end up filling a lot of blank space with tongues. And there'll be times God will help me go, okay, that's enough speaking in tongues. I want to say something to you, mm. but it helps me keep focused on God. Yeah. It it, key, it helps me with that distraction issue. Mm. I'm ADHD, and so it's like, it's very, very easy for me to just like... Ah. Right, right. And so that's one of the huge things that has really helped me. Mm. Another point is, because it's so mysterious, 
and I can't fit it into my mental box. It takes total dependence Mm -hmm. to do it. You know, it's, Yes, it is possible that someone could be self-deceived and they're doing something that's not actually anything. But it, it's it's really a dependence thing. Like, there's no reason for me to do this. Ex- unless. Unless God is doing it. Right. Especially in a lot of the context that I run in. I don't, I'm, I'm not typically around people who speak in tongues out loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why am I doing this? Okay, well, I'm going to do this because I know God talks about it in his word. I know mm-hmm. it honors him. And I think he's doing it in me. And yeah. so what starts to happen is when I get that dependence on God, I actually gives me peace. It's like it releases peace and joy in me. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, to a small degree. I think the bigger decree comes when when prophetic words come and things that are very clear messages from God for me or for someone else, that joy just increases tenfold. Mm -hmm. Tongues is like that filler that's kind of like, okay, I'm getting a little bit of that peace and joy because I I feel like God's here in this thing. Mm -hmm. And so that's the value. There is substantive value to it. Yeah, absolutely. And, And I mean, according to scripture, there is. The, the one who speaks in tongues speaks not to men but to God, and he builds himself up. That's what Paul says to the Corinthians. You're building yourself up. So there's something... I mean, to be honest, speaking in tongues or praying in tongues is... If it's not supernatural, like if Jesus isn't risen from the dead and ascended to the Father and giving the Spirit to empower us as human beings, then tongues and all the rest of it is absolute nonsense, you know? Come on. <laughs> so That's right. It's, it's really not that much different from any other gift or any other activity. I mean, make a disciple. Just take something that everybody, every Christian universally believes we should make disciples, you know? Making disciples is nonsense, <laughs> If Jesus isn't risen from the dead, if we don't have the Spirit, if the gospel isn't true, then it's just hogwash, you know? So tongues is the same. It's the same thing. But tongues, because it's it's you're not even engaging intellectually, like Paul says, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to pray with my spirit and I'm going to pray with my mind. So tongues is like a not a mind thing. It's not an intellectual activity. It's purely spiritual. And anything that's just purely spiritual, it's so, it feels different and it feels so much easier to to say, well, this could very well be nonsense because I can't make any kind of intellectual or worldly sense out of it. You know, it has no value unless it's supernatural. So I, I think with tongues that there is that value of just the Bible says it has the value of building up the person who's speaking in tongues. The Bible says it has as much value as prophecy when it's interpreted for the church, okay? Like the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless it's interpreted. So there's even more value. It can have have church-wide value when it's interpreted. Uh, But here's the thing. Like the question is the risk, like you mentioned the risk of it, potentially doing something wrong or unbiblical or that's not of God or that's just nonsensical or whatever. 
I'm still trying to understand why tongues in particular is pointed out, is held up so high as being so risky. It feels like tongues, prophecy, praying for the sick, for some reason in in the Western church since the Reformation, for some reason, there's these few gifts, maybe there's four or five gifts or something like that, you know, like that a cessationist might call the sign gifts, things like this that are relegated to this very risky kind of category. It's like, but that that is not the way the Bible describes them. Yeah. When Paul talks about tongues, he doesn't say, now listen, be careful, because you might be doing something demonic. You know, he doesn't say that at all. He gives them instruction about when when it happens, this is the context. This is how to be responsible. This is how to be led by the Spirit. And so we want to do all those things. We want to be wise and mature and loving and considering others more significant than ourselves. Like all this good Christian ethic and doctrine, you know, we want to do all that. But tongues is not inherently dangerous. It's not playing with fire. It's it, neither is prophecy or praying for the sick. So I, I don't know why it gets categorized that way, like it's so dangerous. It's because in Western society, that's where it's categorized that way, not in Eastern society. No, 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 yeah. And so it's post-enlightenment. Um, mm-hmm. It's the way that we are geared. Reason and science are God, right? And, mm-hmm. and God's in those things. So for Christians, God's in those things. But when you get into things that are purely spiritual, Mm -hmm. you cannot fit them within a enlightened reason, scientific box at all. Mm -hmm. That's kind of scary for somebody who just doesn't have that cultural context Mm -hmm. and talking to somebody else who doesn't have that cultural context Mm -hmm. and interacting with those people. That's, I think how it's kind of scary for us. And then what happens is we see the things that are lifted up are bad examples. Yeah, always. Examples of bad, like bad use right. Where, that the Bible warns against yeah. specifically. Right. Like, like for instance, you know, this is the number one, really for me, like if you're going to get a false prophecy, false tongues, false person, it's, it's somebody who's greed oriented. And mm. that the Bible says that very clearly. It's somebody who's that's oriented around money, not oriented around... Uh, healings and and acts of power and things like that. Right. It's all those things, whatever they're using, they're gifting for it so they can become more powerful and more rich, mm. right? So when it comes to tongues then, the question we have to ask ourselves, let's, let's throw the other sign gifts out for a minute and I'll talk about those. Let's talk about tongues. Mm-hmm. What's the actual risk? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess the risk is that you are engaging in something that's not actually from the spirit. So uh, like in a, in a lot of our churches where tongues is more normal, there's an expectation. In fact, in, in some of our churches in some like Pentecostal traditions and things, it's like, if you haven't spoken in tongues, then you're not saved. And so there's some risk around what I, what I would say is not good doctrine, uh, where, I mean, I actually had a, a, a friend who was Pentecostal and we had been friends for a couple of years and we're getting tighter and tighter as friends. And we both knew we loved the Lord and we worked together. So we were like trying to engage our workplace for the Lord. And we were getting lunch one day deep into our friendship 
And over this meal, somehow spiritual gifts came up or tongues came up or something like that. And I said, yeah, I've prayed for that gift a lot, but I haven't received it. He'd about dropped his fork, bro. <laughs> he was like, the look in his face was like, I just realized you're not saved. And from that point on, our friendship got awkward. He didn't say that to me, but I knew I knew his tradition. Yeah. And I wasn't baiting him or anything. I, I, it just happened naturally in conversation. But but he was so shocked, and our friendship really deteriorated. It got awkward. He started contacting me less, all this stuff. It was weird. It was like there was like a, a weird division that came between us all of a sudden. So there is this danger of if you make tongues central to the gospel, central to your salvation, central to your Christian life, like you don't know God unless you speak in tongues— or you're not walking by the Spirit unless you speak in tongues, or not even saved, then that is very dangerous. It's unhealthy, yeah. That's that's not good, you know? So, uh, I mean, it's just not biblical, is the point. Um, so, I mean, but I mean, aside from that, I think the greatest danger you really face is that you're trying to do something that you're not actually empowered to do, which I would say happens a lot with other spiritual gifts, like teaching... <laughs> where somebody really believes like I'm gifted to teach and everybody sitting there listening to teach is going, I'm not sure this is your gift, man. Musical worship. Ah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I mean, that's a thing. That's really a thing. But there's other things, you know, someone may believe that they're gifted in all kinds of things, but then the church would go, we don't really see the fruit. We don't see the power. Yeah. And then they would have to assess, is this really my gift? Did I just want that gift? But I haven't really received it or whatever. It's all mysterious. But I would say that's the gift is that you're you're doing something in the flesh that you believe is from the spirit. The most dangerous thing to me is when it's done insincerely. I think the Lord is so gracious to us when we are sincerely wrong. But when we're insincerely wrong, to me, that's where God opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. So the sincerity to me, the de- what is the desire in you? And if the desire is right and it's to know God and love God and worship God and build yourself up in your faith in God and to build others up, then if that's sincerely your desire, then I think you can go for all these things and you can trust the Lord to lead you and overcome mistakes. And I mean— most of the New Testament was written to address mistakes in theology and ethics. Uh, like he had to tell, Paul had to tell the Thessalonians, Jesus has not come back yet. Calm down. Like, you know, <laughs> but he's telling the Corinthians, you know, okay, you've received these gifts from the Spirit. Here's how you steward them well. So I think, I think if we can all look each other in the eye with sincerity about these things, then we're in a safe place with the Lord. Yeah. And s- sincerely be okay with a new thing yeah. that God wants to do. Right. Not th- new to your tradition. New to new to me. Not not new to the Bible, but like new right. I mean, the Lord to can, me. Yeah. The Lord can do things that he hasn't done in the Bible. Sure. It's not like if it didn't happen in the Bible, it cannot happen. But the Bible is our measure of who God is, of yeah. the gospel. You know, it sets our expectation level. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I know what you're saying. It's like you've got you can't be so cynical 
and skeptical that if something is new to me or my tradition or my experience, then it must be wrong. Sure. And assuming that if I give into this new thing that is in the Bible, but mm-hmm. it's, it's a new thing, then I will become like this extreme over yeah, here. Yeah, that's a good don't point. Don't do that. Yeah, don't do that to yourself. I've got a perfect formula for not becoming a cult leader. Let me get a pen and paper. Perfect formula. Here you go. <laughs> I've been really asking God for the perfect <laughs> formula to not become a cult leader. Here's how you will not get off, I promise. Um, believe that you have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you mm. because you have believed in Jesus and he says that he's there. So you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. Mm-hmm. Keep reading your Bible mm-hmm. and stay in fellowship with solid brothers and sisters. Mm. That's it. That's no good. cult leader does all three of those things. That's really true. At some <laughs> point, they they have another spirit that they operate by or they get extra biblical, not as in they get a lot of the Bible, but in, they go outside of the Bible for their source of truth or they break fellowship and create their own based on their own new doctrine. Yeah. Do all yeah. those three things and you will not... God. I think God will totally preserve you. Yes. Okay? Yeah. Right. So delve into with him into things that are clearly in his word yeah. that he wants for you and mm-hmm. that he's excited when you experience them. Yeah. He didn't make up tongues just because he's like, hey, this is kicks. I'm going to make up something super weird and make people <laughs> awkward, uncomfortable. Look at him down there. He's laughing at it. Yeah. <laughs> no, he knows how valuable it can be for yeah. you. Yeah. And beloved, he doesn't give it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes a long time. Sometimes it happens once and that you like, yeah. don't stress about how it occurs, when it occurs, just ask him genuinely mm-hmm. and be prepared and open for it to happen. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's in keeping with, with what Paul talks about, that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to whom he wills. He says that to the Corinthians. He gives these gifts to whom he wills. We can trust him. We can ask him for things. Jesus even said, you know, if a father has a child and the child asks for bread, he's not going to give him a rock. If he asks for an egg, he's not going to give him a snake. And then Jesus says, you know, how much more will your father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And, and in one of the gospels even says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So when we're seeking, when we're asking God, will you fill me with your spirit and empower me with all the gifts that you're willing to give me? In fact, Paul even says, eagerly desire all the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So there's somewhere that right there, that just sets a precedent. There are some gifts that you should be seeking. You should be pursuing. The Lord's going to make them important to you, and he wants you to ask for them and seek them. What does it mean to pursue a spiritual gift. Isn't that mysterious? How do you pursue something that you cannot put your hands on? Where do you go? You can't go buy it. You can't <laughs> coerce God. He gives it to whom he wills. But there's something about God that says, ask me for it. Seek it. Pursue it. Love it. Value it. And and if I give it to you, steward it faithfully. Yeah. So yeah, I, you're right. And create space. Yeah, you have to create space because yeah. it's easy for me to ask and then not create any actual space right. for it. You have to arrange your your life with expectation yeah. that, that God is going to gift me. According to the Bible, he's going to gift me. And can we just real quick dispel this idea that 
Every Christian has one spiritual gift. Oh yeah, no, okay, that's not. That's no, just no. not that's not a biblical <laughs> idea. We need to stop passing this around, you know. Uh he may give you one gift, but he may give you five, you know, or he may give you a gift and then Oh yeah, Paul had all of them, I think. And then, well, to some degree maybe. Yeah. <laughs> he certainly had the gift of tongues. He said I I speak in tongues more than all of you. So, yeah, I mean, it, we... So we, it's having faith. It's having faith for anyone God wants to give you yes. and, like, creating space for anyone right. that He wants to give to you and at any time. Right. Doesn't matter how old, young you are, whatever, right. like, be open, ask God, create space. Mm-hmm. He can bless you with it. I think He wants to bless you with it. He knows if you can't handle the gift, maybe that's sometimes why He doesn't give it to you. Yeah, maybe yet. it wouldn't be good for you. So and that's not to, yeah. that's not to condemn anybody like oh you can't handle a gift or something that I have or whatever that's just to say the lord knows yeah. he's a good father he gives good gifts and what might be a good gift and ministry for one person is not what he wants for another person and that's okay let them be them and you be you and receive whatever the spirit wants to give you but but if we believe that the holy spirit will not, cannot give certain gifts, it would be a pretty radical idea to think that God is going to force it on you. Like, I I don't want to speak in tongues. I'm afraid of it. I'm skeptical of it. I don't think it's something that the Spirit's doing anymore. Well, I doubt that you're going to ever receive that gift. And all that means is you're going to miss out on something that would be good, mm. at least potentially, potentially good for you. Because yeah. maybe not not every believer is going to speak in tongues, but Paul says it was good. He wishes he wished that they all did in Corinth. So, yeah, you're right. I think we we just need to lay skepticism aside. You know, don't be motivated by cynicism and skepticism and a negative kind of spirit. If it's in the Bible and it's described as good and worthy of pursuit and beneficial to the to the spirit and all those things, then Let's just say, okay, Lord, if it's good to you, then it would be good to me. So uh, my hands are open if you want to do it. As a reminder, the Prayer Culture Podcast is a ministry of two or more, which is a crowdfunded ministry. So if you enjoy this content, please check out our website and giving page listed in the description. Also, when you have a second, hit the like and subscribe button.